Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. Today, I have the infamous CJ Wolf. Uh, Dr. Wolf, so good for you to, to be with us today. We're so excited to have you. So glad to be here. Thank you for the invite. This is fun. You know, I could talk all day as my wife will attest. <laughs> so today happens to be National Pie Day. Not like Pie 314. I actually have a, one of my sons was born on March 14th. And um, so was Albert Einstein. But it's not that kind of Pie Day. It's a yummy pie day, and it's actually rhubarb pie day. And uh, and I think we had shared with you that I don't really know what rhubarb is. Yeah, so I grew up in the Midwest, and we had rhubarb. I don't know. It's like some people like cultivate it, and some people it's like a weed. Um, I grew up in the Midwest, and uh, you know, I think I don't, I'm not an expert, but I think the I think the leaves are toxic to some animals and things, but the stalk. It's kind of green and red and people put it in pies. And uh, I was telling you that just outside my office door, there's this plant growing. I don't know how it got there, but it's rhubarb. <laughs> wow, that's pretty cool. I'll have to try to rhubarb pie. <laughs> you should. I mean, today at least, National Pie Day. That's right. <laughs> Fun. So we're digging into... CPT and and uh, our last episode, I broke down like the anatomy of the CPT code. I think it's fascinating that um, we already know what RVUs belong to a CPT code, and we know what the status indicators are. So some codes are already predisposed for payment purposes, for non-payment purposes. Like um, there's kind of a science behind the CPT code. So we I went through all of that with our friends. But I really wanted to shed some light on part of the CPT book that a lot of people overlook. You know, they get their books. We have that wonderful snow day. You know, you take the packaging off and those little white flakes go everywhere. They're there for um, a week. You can't clean them up. <laughs> <laughs> right. Quite impressionable. Uh, but there's so much more in CPT. So there's portions of it that give us further explanation about these CPT codes. Mm -hmm. And I thought we could chat about that today. So the, the introduction section has a lot of information in it that helps us understand how to identify these codes appropriately. Yeah. One thing that I was looking at that uh, kind of caught my eye, because like you just said, I, I don't read it all the time. I, I know I read it years ago, but it, it's good to refresh, right? And kind of level set. Um, there was this one paragraph, I'll, I'll kind of refer to it here. It talks about, uh, this is right in the instructions for use of the CPT codebook. It's the second paragraph. It is equally important to recognize that as techniques in medicine and surgery have evolved, New types of services, including minimally invasive surgery, uh, as well as endovascular, percutaneous, endoscopic, et cetera, has challenged the traditional distinction of surgery versus medicine. So in the CPT book, right, the bulk of it is this surgery section, and then you have this medicine section. And essentially what this paragraph is saying is as medicine advances and we become less invasive and you do more things through wires and catheters, mm -hmm you're still kind of fixing the problem, but is that medicine or is that surgery? And so they, you know, they talk about how the placement of a code in one section or the other 
is not meant to say this is surgery and this is not. Um, and, you know, and I think those lines get blurred even more as medicine advances to these less invasive types of procedures. So, No, I couldn't agree with you more. One of the biggest distinctions this year in CPT for me was the separation, that distinct separation of the implanted devices and then yeah. the programming of those devices. They right. went, CPT this year made a hard division that implant is surgery, programming all of the neurostimulators, the cochlear implants, the, the phrenic nervous nerve system is a new one. Yeah. The, yeah. the programming, the, 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 the technical part of it is not in the surgery part of it. So like right. you're saying, there's a clear distinction how you can see the same reference to, to intervention, but reported from different sections, depending upon what part of it you're doing. Yeah. And I think that, you know, if you're in a specialty like, you know, general surgery or something, you just need to become familiar and know that, yes, there's going to be a lot of things in the surgery section, but you might, your practice or your physician, whoever might be doing some of those programming. Maybe they're not, but maybe they are. So you really, really need to be aware of that stuff. And the other thing that just kind of, I was thinking about, I don't know how many people have watched the um, Showtime series Homeland. You remember that? It was, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Claire yeah. Danes. Yes. It's kind of old. So this is going to be a spoiler alert, but if you haven't seen it yet, it's been out for years and years. So I don't know if you'll ever watch it, but you remember that one episode where the, the vice president uh, has a pacemaker or some sort of heart device and the terrorists, the bad guys are trying to hack into it and to cause like a heart event, like a heart attack oh or something. God. I bring that up because so many devices now you're going to have like this, uh, uh, distant monitoring and there's lots of i mean it sounds sci-fi sci but we're there where you can do monitoring programming mm -hmm. we got bluetooth right all these things it, it the lines get a little bit more blurred on what is what you know they sure do and uh, and it's hard sometimes for coders to understand that they might have they might be in one specialty but they may have to reference multiple sections of the cpt book so yeah. for cardiology yeah. you're going to have certain procedures in radiology, you're gonna have certain procedures in the medicine section. And, and again, it all just depends on, um, you know, what type of interventions that specialist or subspecialist is performing. Exactly, exactly. Interesting stuff, huh? It is. Um, so CPT is divided into three different categories. You got your first category. First category, I always call those like the the um, promoted codes. These codes have RVUs that are attached to them. We know the value of them. They've been given those status indicators. Um, it's like Pinocchio. They're real codes, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> then the category two codes, those are just our performance measure codes. They don't have RVUs attached and they, they kind of tell a story um, of maybe the work behind the procedure or the work behind that service. Yeah. Um, and then the category three codes, those are kind of the coolest ones. Those are new yeah, technologies. Yes. And um, I really enjoy those. Now this year in the instructions, I don't know if you noticed, but they really are pushing unlisted codes. So when something doesn't fit category one or category three, 
then it's yep. unlisted. And yep. my understanding is they do that so that they can start to develop that category three process. Yep. Yeah, it, that's my understanding as well. I, I don't want to claim that I have any like insight or knowledge on it, but uh, just having you know worked here in this field for decades now, and what I I find interesting is they really you know when there is that category three code, they really want you to use it because and, and I'm interested in what you think if this is accurate or not. But it seems like that's kind of like this is new. We want to see how many people use it. And will this code graduate to a category one code? Or you will notice in this year, some of those codes were sunset, right? Mm -hmm. So they were they were scheduled to sunset after a certain number of years. If the volume's not high enough, I, I this is me again reading between the lines. It seems like they sunset that code saying, eh, it's not worth having this category three code. And then they give you the directions of what you just said, use unlisted if there's not something that describes this already. So I, I think you're spot on there. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's, it. I think this is the first time that I've seen so much push from CPT to mm -hmm. report those, report those unlisted. Let's get, the, let's get things, um, let's get category three codes in place. Let's promote those category threes. Let's really start addressing some of those procedures that are being done and stop guessing. Like, don't right. guess. It's kind of like this or right. kind of like that. Um, no, let, let's let's take ownership of this new technology or this new approach or this new service, right? Let's take ownership of it and let's try to promote it in the right direction. Yeah, and I think then this is where like the coding piece hits real world and, you know, like practices and, and providers sometimes don't like to report those codes because then the payer's like, we don't pay this. Right? right. Or you have to do these extra steps for us to analyze this unlisted to get paid. And so in my experience, doctors have always shied away from those unlisted. But it's really the difference between, look, we're trying to speak the language accurately, i.e. the coding. Mm -hmm. And then the real world has to take care of itself. But doctors and a lot of practices see that as the same thing. And so you, it's kind of hard sometimes to convince people to do that. Well, I mean, my doctors have always been compassionate. And part of that compassion is trying to help me um, have the best medical care possible. And, mm -hmm. and I'm going to need insurance to help me out. I, I'm, you know, I'd wish that I could say that uh, I had a, a, a rich uncle that was going to loan me a million dollars <laughs> for my medical procedures, but that's not going to happen. I'm pretty dependent on my insurance at this point. Um, and, and I know that my doctors feel that. So they want to, let's find a code that your insurance will pay for. But by doing that, first of all, it's, it's not representing that service properly. It's not yeah. paving the way so that other people can have that service in the future. And, you know, sometimes we have to accept the fact that this might be the best treatment, but it might yeah. have to be out of pocket, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's frustrating. And so, like you said, everyone wants, oh, what's the closest code? Mm -hmm. and, well, there's not one. The proper thing to do here is unlisted. That's right. And that's yeah. why I kind of like the, I always say coding is a science because you read the note and it is or it isn't. It's an unlisted right. or it's a, a CPT category one or category three, but billing is an art. There you go. 
right? Because yeah. not all payers want things the same way. Not all payers cover the same thing. Medicare allows this. Humana does not. You know, Blue yeah. Cross allows this and Aetna does not. And right. this one wants a modifier, 50. This one wants RTLT. Like it's, yeah. it's an art. It's just trying to figure out how to make this, uh, to, to display this in the best possible form to that payer there. Exactly. I'm right with you there. So kind of tough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, now, there are a few things in CPT that I think are really important for people to understand. And, and most of us get the idea of the indented code and the semicolon. Mm -hmm. And I, I always say that if we didn't use that system, our CPT book could potentially be as big or bigger than our ICD-10 book. Right. And let me tell you, as someone who has had to carry those books for the past three decades um, and, and two shoulder surgeries later, um, I, I don't need them to be any bigger than what they are. Yeah. And it's actually it's kind of funny. It's a good litmus test. It's kind of like this threshold question. If somebody says, well, here's the code and they just read those last five words, you know, that person doesn't know coding. Because it's like, uh, what? No, the whole paragraph before, then those indented five words. No, no, the code just says this in those five words. I'm like, additional you know what that 10% or part thereof. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I'm lost. <laughs> I'm like, okay, we need to up your education a little bit in a nice way. I'm not judging, but it's like, no, no, it, does tell, it does tell you that, okay, this person might not get the basics. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's just kind of, I think sometimes that that, that semicolon indention is uh, your and or. So yeah. it's it's this and the, or this and or this and or this. And, and that way yeah. they're just making, saving us some room rather than having to reword the same and information over and over and over again. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's a, that's a key. That's, I mean, that's foundational, right? I remember, you know, in teaching everybody in teaching people over the years on getting them ready for certifications and those sorts of things. That's where I always start when we get to the coding piece. I'm like, you got to be able to read. And this is the proper way to read this kind of book. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that is a cornerstone in learning how to use CPT codes properly. Because even I've noticed in, in payer guidances, when they list those particular CPT codes, they follow suit. There's the the entire uh, description, semicolon, or, and they follow suit, or, or, or. And so it's it's not just for CPT, but it's also for being able to read those payer policies. Yeah, exactly right. Now, one of the things in CPT that I absolutely love, uh, I'm a rule follower. And uh, I ask for permission. I don't ask for forgiveness. And I love the fact that guidelines are in the beginning of each section. So those are general guidelines that apply to every code in that section. And again, rather than writing it all out in front of each code, right. imagine the size of that book. Um, they give us those green pages in the beginning of each section to... To, to tell us what applies to every code in that particular section there. So probably one of my favorite areas are the guidelines. Yes. Well, and so I think of, I, I think of like critical care codes, right? Like 
those guidelines, it doesn't say it in the code always of what's included and what's not included in critical care, right? You have a list. You have to follow those guidelines. And and again, kind of coming back to this, some people just look up the code and they're like, bam, that's it. Right. No, there, there's some backstory here. These are done with these guidelines. Learn the backstory. Then you go to that code. I can't tell you how many times that happens in in in, uh, in derm integumentary where I go back and I say that simple repair is built into that removal, lesion removal. Where does it say that? Yeah. Or, you know, the interpretation and report for imaging, or those are all things that you're going to see in the guidelines. And, yeah. and like you were, I think you were going there with this beyond those green pages in the section themselves above those code sets, are instructions for the code set itself. Right. And that, that that's powerful, powerful. I, um, I tell my students, beyond your textbook, read that information, get yep. to know it. That's yep. the information that you're gonna reference daily. Yeah, and people who are, like if you're preparing somebody for like an exam, you, you don't have to tell the student, memorize every code, no. That's that's the index part. That's the part you don't have to memorize, but you do have to be super familiar with what you just said, with the yeah. with the guidelines on how to use those. That's what you have to focus on. Then you can find the code. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so how about add-on codes? Those oh, are great. They are, and again, I see people are like, "Oh, I'm just going to report this one code." Well, so for example, I, I was doing a. a an education recently and is it 99459 I think is the new pelvic exam code yeah and, and it's an add-on code if I'm not mistaken and yeah. people are like okay how do I just report this one code I'm like no 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 read the notes <laughs> it says this is in addition to certain codes and then it lists certain ENM codes that it's reported with and if in it's those not on parenthetical list, notes yeah if it's and if it's not in there you don't report the pelvic exam code with those so yeah, absolutely. It's, it's like 90, not maybe not 90, but 80% of our questions can probably be answered by reading through all of that stuff. And that is always the case. Um, but you know, we're, we're creatures of habit. Sometimes we, we focus on the task at hand and, and the, the other things kind of get blurred on the outside. And absolutely. it's important to have chats like this, just to remind people that if you're struggling with something, Maybe go back to the root. Go back and take a look. It, was there additional guidance there? Exactly. Um, was there a parenthetical note that said do or don't? Was yep. there a modifier guidance that was attached to it? Um, you know, and again, think about add-on codes. Those can't be reported without a, um, a, a root code, a root code that can be reported independently. Yeah. Well, and on, on add-on codes too, you can kind of go the opposite direction of that's charge capture. So assuming a payer pays for that, it's mm -hmm. like up until now, pelvic exams are just kind of included in the E&M. They're calling it out separately now. Now, I don't know if every payer is going to pay for it separately, right. but but we need to get there and say, oh, that's an add-on code. If you're doing those things, make sure you capture all of that. Well, I mean, it was about time too, because I think that um, the reason that I understood it from the AMA was that for a, a, a male physician who's going to do a pelvic exam, they need to bring in a female uh, to chaperone that visit. So yes. to compensate for that time, 
because now they, right. they must have that medical assistant. They must have that female um, staff member there present. They're, that's an additional requirement in order to get paid or uh, for yeah. whatever other reasons are, there are outside of coding. But we needed to find a way to, to capture that cost. Exactly. And that's, you know, and, and I, unless I'm missing something, I don't think that pelvic code says you must have somebody no. there. But right. to your point, that's the standard now. Because yes. of accusations, you just want to keep yourself safe. You want to keep the patient safe. Right. And having that extra set of eyes, that witness to have observed the entire procedure, it's really what everyone's doing. And it's Absolutely. not for coding purposes. It's like you said, they're doing it for like liability purposes right. and you know reputational purposes and all that stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, it is an added expense. And, and I'm really glad that they've considered adding this code in with a reimbursement to it, even if it's just practice expense reimbursement. But they're they're considering that this is something that has become the standard of medicine. And so it should be reimbursed. Yep. Yeah, that's yep. pretty awesome. And, and, and that probably wasn't around 30 years ago, right? It wasn't as as sensitive, those types of exams, right? It's just people trusted their doctor. Maybe that's what brought us to this point. But um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, it's, that's true. But but again, because of how it's evolved, just like anything else, because of the evolution in medicine, in, in our lives, um, yep. we have to adapt with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing that the general guidelines or the general introduction of CPT shares with us are medical terminology. And I know that that is one of your specialties, terminology, anatomy. Um, I want to do a, a great plug here. Uh, Coders Med School is your company where you provide amazing education for the coder and for the coder to understand because... I'm going to be honest, I would not be able to pass med school. I'm a smart <laughs> cookie, but that's tough stuff. And, and yeah. um, a lot of people, that's not the direction they want to go to. They really love the administrative, the business side of medicine. Right, right. And, yeah, um, the reason, and the reason I kind of started that is I hear from a lot of people of either they're afraid or they lack a little bit of confidence in approaching a physician about a certain question. And so I feel like education is the solution. You know, the intent is not to make coders doctors, but coders are interacting with their doctors mm -hmm. all the time. And and if they know a little bit more about that disease or about, oh, you know, the specialty society says this is severe versus that is middle. And those are words that come up in our, our medical decision making in EM. Yep. And so I love medical terminology anatomy. I've been teaching it for, for 25 years in some form or fashion. And it's really another language, right? Yeah, um, it is. If you speak another language, you know what it's like to learn another language. And if you can learn those key prefixes and word roots and suffixes, that's, you know, 50% of, of the battle. And then, it yeah, is. you have to memorize some vocab words, but you can figure out a lot if you know those. Well, those right. Uh, and itis, you're talking about a diagnosis, uh, um, an, an ectomy. You're talking about a procedure right there. Yeah. Just those two terms take us in completely different directions. So, yeah. so pinnacle to understand that. And yeah, um, and I, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go right ahead. I'm enjoying this. I was going to say one thing that I, when I teach this a lot, like a re surgical repair then there are nuances. So plasty 
is like a reconstructive repair, whereas Rafi is like a suturing repair. So I always use the analogy of, you know, if you had some shingles fall off your roof in the latest hurricane in Florida uh, and you just put a blue tarp on, that's more of a Rafi. You're just kind of putting a patch on. A Plasti would be, you know, your garage was knocked down or caved in slightly. You have to reconstruct it. And that's a Plasti. And so there's these subtle these subtleties in, in some of those, those in some of that language that if you learn those subtleties, it helps a lot. I couldn't agree with you more. And, and we see more and more people making the change into um, medical billing and coding from other types of, of uh, worlds. So I had a lumberjack from, from um, Oregon once in my class. I love it. Yeah. And, and just so those types of scenarios that you can relate to and bring it forward like they stick forever, you know? Yeah. And I think that is absolutely amazing. Now, in the beginning of our, our CPT book, we do have some terminology. It's not all inclusive, um, but it's a good place to start. I always add to that. Every year I go through and I add my additional terms that uh, maybe I'm not so strong with or that I've been challenged with. And, and that way I can reference it if I happen to be reading a note or if a new term comes up that I'm not familiar yeah. with, it's a great addition to my book. Um, and also in our books, they give us an, a, um, a legend or a table of content in the very beginning of all the illustrations. So whether it's yes. anatomical or procedural illustrations, those are also built into the, the instructional part before yes. we get into the actual coding part of our CPT book. Yeah, because those, you know, those are so important so that you can learn directions, right? So like if a, if a physician is dictating an operative report, you know, say I, I started the incision, you know, uh, inferiorly and I proceeded to make the incision in, in an oblique fashion, medially, medially and superiorly towards mm -hmm. the umbilicus, right? So you can kind of figure out those directions, just like I would tell you how to get to my house, you know, you take right. this exit, then you go a mile and you turn right. So th those you can, I can envision in your mind when they use these words, just like a poet might use a word, it starts to bring in this image. And then it mm -hmm. just, it, things clarify when you understand that a little bit better. Absolutely. You hit it on the head. It really is directions. And it really is. I, um, Sometimes during those those classes that I teach, I'll go through an operative note with them and I give the lay term in exchange. And you see the eyes of people like, how do you know this, right? <laughs> go and put those terms in there so that you can follow the directions. Look, they're getting way down in there. That's what they're talking about. And yeah, uh, yeah. so absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, and that's how doctors explain it they're really explaining it for another doctor who's going to read that note. So let's say I'm, I'm, you know, digging deep into the, in the pelvic cavity and I'm, I'm excising, you know, a certain tumor and they say it's behind this area. So they're trying to use that. So in case anyone goes in and looks at a CT scan in the future or does another surgery, they can see, Oh, two years ago, they struggled with this specific area. And so they can get to that point. And so um, I, I, I don't know, I, I, I love it. It's, it's another language. <laughs> like my good friend Sonal Patel says, they're painting the medical picture. Isn't that true? Yeah. And some are better painters than others. Yes. And 
when I educate doctors with clients, some are I'm better painters like, than others. I'm going to borrow that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, hey, doc, you get to paint the picture. I know you have it in your head, mm -hmm. but spit it out on paper so that others know what you're already thinking. So, yeah, and, and we struggle sometimes with that, especially from a, a coding perspective. Is is not all providers are going to paint that picture similarly, and it it, it is a struggle. And I don't know if it's because EMR, I don't know if it's because time, I, you know, there's so many factors into why, um, but I, I'll tell you that some of the best notes I've ever re read are those that are just dictated. Just tell me yeah. what you were doing as they kind of close their eyes and they walk you through it and they describe it. And it is, it's almost beautiful sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I know a plastic surgeon who outside of surgery, he does sculpture. And so he really is an artist. And wow. so their notes are like, yeah, he's like trying to be a poet <laughs> as well as a scientist. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it, one of our listeners here, Tiffany, she made a comment that I, I know exactly what seminar you were listening to, Tiffany, when if you think it, ink it, that would be my good friend, Betty Hovey, who says it all the time. Um, so yeah, if they're that's that's a great thing. If they're thinking about it and they're thinking and they're walking through how they did this procedure, I mean that that's the perfect picture. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> well, our time together is over. Can you imagine? We've already hit that 30-minute mark. Whoa, too fast. Always. Uh, I'm looking forward to having some pie this evening. Um, for those of you that are watching, maybe maybe I might even go seek out some rhubarb just to see what it tastes like. Uh, all of CJ Wolf's, Dr. Wolf's information is right there at the bottom, codermedschool.com. You must check it out. Absolutely. Um, the price point is perfect. The information is on point. It, the description makes it so easy. I tell you, it was... I was sharing earlier that everyone in my organization, we have a membership. They're all watching your videos right now and learning so much. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. And some of them are free. We try to do a free one every month. So if you, even if you don't want to subscribe, you can look at the free one. And then there's more for those who want to go a little bit more in depth. Absolutely. Thanks so much. And we will see you all in two weeks. Bye, everyone. Thanks for watching.